1: Today on Millennial. I took out a lot of money in student loans, so I do have that to contend with.
0: Yeah, but imagine that and having a kid or two by now.
1: My education is my baby. Are you like a little bit unenthused? Yeah. Me too. Laura sounds
0: more (laughs) enthused.
1: Well, I I actually thought, Andrew, you were going to be excited about Enchanted. Weren't you super into that? (sighs) I was going to say, that's the one
0: thing here that's interesting. Everything else is not. And they have a sequel in the works, by the way. And I think that's going to be a Disney Plus exclusive. Oh, that's cool. How does he know? (laughs) I won't go any further than that. This cracks me up. Oh it's look so cute though. My Furby has a cold. Oh my gosh, it gave your Furby a cold. <laughs> like,
1: why is that a feature? Can you imagine in the times of COVID? <laughs> I was gonna they would say, would say never I just make this. translate well to 2021.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Millennial Seven Forty Three. I'm Andrew.
1: I'm Mara and I'm Pamela. Well, we have some good news to kick it off this week. Good news out of Congress. The $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill passed the House and went to President Biden's desk to sign. I know we talked about this several weeks back. Uh, where were you when you heard the news? The first like major win of the Staring Biden administration. Staring at my stock
0: <laughs> app. That's what I was looking at. Now, this is exciting, although sorry to throw a little water on it straight away. I've also read that... While this is a lot of money, it looks to us like a lot of money. It also really just scratches the surface in terms of how much we could be spending on infrastructure. Because another thing Mm -hmm. to consider is that this money is going to be spent over years. And when you start splitting it into years, you realize it's not a lot at all for the whole country. But this is a great first step because it is a bipartisan bill, right?
1: Yes. And just to give you an idea of what uh, the bill contains, it contains $110 billion for roads and bridges, $66 billion for passenger and freight rail, $65 billion for expanding broadband access to millions of Americans who don't currently have it. And the list goes on. Certainly, it could have been better. Remember when we were all supporting a much larger (laughs) infrastructure spend, Um, but in order to get enough votes uh, on both sides of the aisle, this was the number that had to be compromised on. I was glad to see this finally go through. It's not enough, but like you said, Andrew, it's a good first step. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see how we felt about the six no votes from the progressive uh, Democratic caucus, Uh, saw some disappointment about this Online, so AOC, Elon Omar, Corey Bush, um, Ayanna Presley, and so on.
0: So, why did they say no?
1: Because it wasn't enough, and also because oh, it wasn't linked. It wasn't fully linked to um, other spending. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. glad you explained that because
2: I just saw this headlining in passing, and I was a little bit confused because it it kind of did feel a bit like a no brainer. I get it. It's not enough, but at some point, something is better than nothing, right? So it it just sort of feels like this is the wrong way to stand your ground instead of just agreeing and then trying to get more money somewhere down the line.
1: That's how I feel. and And ideologically, I'm so aligned with the Progressive Caucus. But it does get kind of frustrating to look at members like AOC who are in safe seats. So she has The safety to be able to do something like this. Whereas a more moderate Democrat um, who might be up against, you know, a more conservative voter base doesn't have that liberty. So it's just frustrating.
0: And then this, what, dozen Republicans who voted yes? That was, I know that was a really nice surprise. Mm -hmm.
1: It's because they want to be able to report to their districts what infrastructure spending they secured for them. Well, good. Okay. Yeah. Whatever works. Sounds I'm fine good to me. With it. I'm just, I'm looking sideways at the Republicans that are going to go back to their districts and brag about what infrastructure spending they're getting in the bill that they voted against.
0: Right, right. And or they'll <laughs> gloss over this
1: hypocrites.
0: All right. Well, that's some good news. Here's some bad news, and it's not exactly politics related. I've been wanting to get the panel's thoughts on this because over the past year or so since COVID started, I have been in a bunch of hotels, mainly because I've been driving instead of flying places. And one of the changes that occurred at hotels nationwide, probably worldwide, is that there was no longer daily housekeeping services. And this was just because they didn't want housekeeping coming in while somebody was staying there at a hotel over multiple nights because maybe potentially the housekeepers are bringing COVID in or the guests are potentially giving COVID to the housekeepers. But now here's the thing. As we start to transition out of the COVID world, it looks like hotels are not bringing back daily housekeeping. And the main reason for this is not so much staffing, they're saving a lot of money by no longer doing daily housekeeping. And while this is kind of like a first world problem, I think it is one reason we enjoy generally staying in hotels. You go out for the day, you come back, you have a nice clean room waiting for you. I'm actually a little bummed about this change, and this seems to be one of the biggest changes that are coming out of the post COVID hospitality coming into the post-COVID hospitality world. Another one, it looks like we may not get as many free breakfasts, which are also really nice. My mom lives for free breakfasts at the hotels. She freaking loves them.
2: So does my mom. That's why she stays uh, really? at La Quinta's like nationwide.
0: Because <laughs> I know I'll get a free breakfast.
2: <laughs> hey, they, and they put out like the waffle maker. If you oh, want that's great. a good continental breakfast, uh, bonus recommendation,
1: stay at uh, La Quinta. H- have
0: you two stayed at hotels over uh, the past year or so?
1: Yeah, I stayed in a hotel for one night in New York City when I was there in August. Um, I'm glad that I didn't know this at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know how how much of a thing it was at that point. Um, I did want to say, though, Andrew, if it makes you feel any better, there are um, plenty of people with housekeeping experience who have shared Online, that your hotel rooms really aren't as clean as you think they are. Um, oh yeah,
0: <laughs> even before this
1: change. so right. i'm I'm wondering like how much this is actually changing anything?
0: Honestly, the number one thing for me is the bed being made. That's the most noticeable change. Do
2: you know what's so and funny? The, the big thing for me is the towels.
0: I was just going to say that, too. Right.
2: Yeah. But, but you know, I will say that I feel like hotels have been looking for a good reason to cut back on these services anyway, because even prior to the pandemic, I had been noticing more and more that hotels... Would put signs in the bathroom that would say, like, in order to conserve resources, like we won't change your towels out unless you ask us to, and it's all under the guise of conserving water. And maybe they are actually, um, helping to do that, but it also kind of feels like it's a bit of a cutting corner situation. Yeah, you know, in terms of cost.
0: And then, of course, another problem is that a lot of housekeeping teams are now losing their jobs because there's less less work to do during the week. I enjoy staying in hotels. Not really during COVID, but I enjoy staying in hotels. And I'm not a big fan of these changes, honestly, because guess what? They're going to take away these services, but they're not going to reduce the nightly rates for the rooms. Or the resort not. fee. Oh, resort fees, which are yeah. terrible in Vegas and a lot of other mm-hmm. hotels.
1: Do you think they will be like airlines and they'll start charging per bag that you check in?
0: Oh, my God. Kitty you Suitcase. <laughs> yeah. I'm walking in with like my iMac and like an external display. $20, $20, $20, $20.
1: Well, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but we all remember a time when you didn't have to pay to check a bag on an airplane. Yeah. So there was probably a time where the prospect of that seemed ridiculous.
0: But at least with that, it's like, OK, you're bringing on extra bags so extra weight. So we need more gas to make it to the destination. Like, obviously, your bag isn't making a big difference. But when it's a ton of people bringing on a ton of extra bags, that might add I'm up. I'm just
1: saying, I think capitalism is going to be the driver here, <laughs> whether it makes sense or
0: not. I agree. And look, I'm uh, me and Pam's mom and my mom are going to be really mad about the free breakfast. You look at some of those free breakfasts right now, and they're depressing. Because of COVID, mm-hmm. when is that stuff all going to come back? At some hotels, I'm sure it will. And in others, it won't.
1: Well, pivoting to something that I know is related to a staffing struggle, uh, I went to the movies this weekend uh, to see the new Bond movie. Oh. And I was horrified, horrified <laughs> at the state of the bathrooms. Y'all, it was horrible. Like every, like I'm walking down the whole line of stalls, pushing doors open, looking in. <laughs> they're full of toilet paper and shit, and there's pee everywhere. And I was just like, when did people forget how to person?
0: Damn right. Like, Damn I, don't, right.
1: I don't blame the employees because I know movie theaters are suffering right now. They don't have enough employees, they're probably stretched super thin. But what is your fucking excuse to shit Ooh. on the floor of a movie oh theater God. bathroom? Excuse
0: me? Somebody shit on the no floor. There
1: way. was shit on the floor. That's disgusting. Like, it must have really hated James that? Bond. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> they were mad about the ending. But like <laughs> I it was just astounding to me because I was like I get it public bathrooms naturally get dirty unless somebody's coming in and cleaning them. But how does that happen? That's not I don't a progressive know. thing that gets messier throughout the day. That's just somebody being a shit taking a shit. I just a
0: shit person. Yeah. I was
1: very disgusted. I mean, shitting on the floor is excessive, but that's how
2: I feel anytime I go into a messy bathroom. Yeah. You know, it's like you would like, not do why? this at your house. So why are you doing this in a public Please.
0: And this is why, where were we talking about this? And After Dark or on the main show, I don't walk into the house with shoes on. The shoes come off because the bathrooms (laughs) out and about are disgusting.
1: Well, you just changed my mind, Andrew.
0: Yes. Yes. Hey, related (laughs) note about James Bond. It's coming out this week on demand. You can watch it at this week. Yeah.
2: God it damn, came I, out my goodness.
0: I know, it came out a month ago. If I knew th- <laughs> wow. if I knew I'd only have to wait a month, I wouldn't have went to the theater. Ugh. That's a small window, only 30 days.
1: Man, top of the show was just lots of shocking stuff.
0: <laughs> Laura Gene. wouldn't have had to see shit on the floor. I know. Me I wouldn't, have had, wouldn't have had to walk into that
1: disgusting bathroom.
0: I guess now uh, this is another like post-pandemic reality. You just need to Google when it is going to be available on demand before you yeah. go see it in a the theater. <laughs>
2: I don't well, I guess it's also people. a good time to remind everybody that the theater exclusivity window is an average of 45 days now. for most properties now. Right. So if you really don't feel like going to the movies, 45 days is not a long time to wait.
0: No, that's like four episodes of Millennial. <laughs>
2: there you go.
1: I think
0: WB is exactly 45 days. That's their new window. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, y'all. Well, we're going to dive into our first discussion today, which is retirement and how we're feeling about it. But first, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our first sponsor of the week, Talkspace. As the year ends, another holiday season is upon us. For many of us, that means travel and family. And who doesn't have that one relative that keeps getting invited to holiday dinners, even though they stress everyone out? Tis the season to be jolly, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And that's okay. Ease some of those burdens the holidays can bring with Talkspace online therapy. The Talkspace app makes it so easy to connect with a licensed therapist via unlimited messages or live video sessions, all from the comfort of your personal device. I know this resonates with many of you at home who are on the go, whether working from home or commuting to an office. And Talkspace offers individual and couples therapy in addition to medication prescription services. I've used Talkspace before, and I love being able to message my therapist if I want to share either a win or a challenge about my day so I don't have to keep a running mental list of everything I want to talk about. If you need a little support through the end of the year or want to start building towards a better 2022, Talkspace is here to help. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code M-I-L-L. That's $100 off when you use code M-I-L-L at Talkspace.com.
0: So this podcast is called Millennial. Many of us are millennials. And because of that, we thought we would check in on our current retirement plans and strategies since it's important to be saving for retirement from as early of an age as possible. Right, Laura?
1: Yeah, that's right. Thank you for giving me that space to drink some of my iced coffee and recover from <laughs> doing the ad read. You're welcome. I understand. <laughs> it was, it I got was perfect. Um, yeah, so I wanted to talk about this today, one, because it's really important for all of us. And I know it's something the three of us think about a lot. But in our listener survey that we just recently completed, personal finance and particularly retirement were one of the most requested topics for us to look into. So we're going to do that today. First, let's just dive in by asking, do we plan to retire? And if so, do we have a target age in mind?
0: I do hope to retire. This might be too ambitious, and this is a big window, but I would love to retire by 50 or 60 years old, and I feel like I can do it sooner than what may be average because I'm not planning on having children, so I don't need to be making money for a family. My main goal in life is to just pay off the house and have as little debt as possible, so when can I do that by? And then I'll continue to make some money in different ways. Who knows the ways we'll be able to make money in 20, 30 years from now. But yeah, I'm trying to be a little little ambitious because I'm not planning on having any children.
1: That's a really good point. I didn't think about that um, because I also hope to retire by 60 would be my hope. Um, Mm. And sometimes I feel weird saying that because I think... The average age is like what seventy at this point. Really? Um, yeah. Um, and we we can dive into <laughs> some discussions around that. Um, but I never I never put two and two together about like, well, you don't have kids, stupid. So that's like part of the reason why you might be able to do it. I'm gonna save so
0: much money.
1: Well, I don't know if I can say that because I took out a lot of money in student loans, so I do have that to contend with. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so but imagine that and having a kid or two by now.
1: My education is my baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm the average
2: here because I, I always figured it would be closer to 70. And I think it's just because that's what we've heard our whole lives. I never yeah. really factored in um, being able to do it early, regardless of whether I have children or not. And so I just kind of like went into life assuming that <laughs> I would have to work. Uh, up until that point. And I hope that I'm able bodied enough to do that because that would be nice. It would mean that I'm, you know, healthy and stuff. But, um, you know, if I, if I get to retire a little bit early, that would be nice too. I'm not going to turn my nose up at that, but I think that just like, so I don't get disappointed. Um, 70 is like is what I always have in my head.
1: Yeah, and I don't think you're wrong. But you'll give,
2: give me a lot of optimism, honestly. <laughs> well, like The
1: potential. At least on my part, I don't know that it's informed optimism. I think it's hopeful optimism. I have no idea what I'm talking about. When I say I want to retire by 60, that's just me saying I want to retire by that point. It doesn't mean I will. You know, that's the million dollar question.
0: I want to emphasize again that When I retire, I see that as I'll stop hustling as hard. I'll still work in some capacity because you got to continue making a little bit of money, I think, unless I strike it really big on the stock market or something. But otherwise, I will want to continue doing some work to bring in some money. When I think of retirement, I just think of like working less, a lot less.
1: I think that's really common too. I mean, just because someone retires doesn't mean that they want to not do anything, but it does give you more room. If you're able to retire comfortably, it gives you more room to focus on those passion projects.
0: Yeah. And as I've said before, like on the weekends, I am kind of bored. When I'm not working, I'm like, well, what do I do now? Because I spend a lot of time working during the week. So that's another reason why I think I would like to continue working in some capacity after retirement.
2: I feel like that's really common. I don't know if... You all have found this in any time you've worked retail in your lives, but I know every time I've worked retail, I've always worked with a lot of people that are retiree age or even a little bit older than that, and they – do it not only like m- most of them. I feel like just do it because it it keeps their brain stimulated. Yes. Yeah, but it's also nice to to get a little bit of money coming in, even though they're retired and well off. You know, a lot of these people they live in like affluent communities. They have already like paid for their house ten times over. Or they've sent their kids to college. They're just chilling. And they, you know, work retail because like I said, it keeps their, their brain sharp. And, and then they, they get to choose like where they want to work to, to get a little discount here and there. Like I worked at a place that sold cookware. So many retired people that just enjoy being in the kitchen, like getting that discount, like having a little bit of extra money coming in, even though they don't need it. Yeah, and I think um, so. That's and that's really inspiring because it's like it's hard to be on your feet all day long. Like I yeah. was tired, you know, in my twenties doing that. And they're just like, yeah, I'm ready to go. You know,
1: yeah. I have a uh, somebody who lives close to me who I'm friendly with who uh, is retired, and she works at the hardware store, and loves it. And you know, she. I don't think she has to. I think she just genuinely likes that environment, and likes helping people. So I can definitely see the appeal to that. And, you know, when I get to that point, I could see myself even working in a store if it were something that I felt passionate about. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also about just simply being around other people day to day. And in some jobs, no, two days are the same. My local Trader Joe's. There's a guy working there who's 80 years old and he's on his feet. He's doing the bagging. He's ringing people up. I overheard him one day mention that he's 80, but. To me he looks like he's 60 and he's probably been one of these guys who's always led a very active life. And he looks happy too. It doesn't look like he's there because he has to be. He just he wants to be around people. He wants to be moving. He wants to to Pam's Point, keep his brain busy.
1: Well, I'm wondering now if we can speak to feeling any stress or pressure around having to save for retirement. I mean, we've all known about the concept of retirement since we were very young. Um so Is this something that we felt stressed about during our professional careers, or do we feel pressure to reach a certain savings amount?
0: I do, because we don't know what the future holds. And in my case, I started saving for retirement later than I think most people have, because working for myself, I didn't have a paycheck that was putting money away for retirement for me. So I only started uh, saving for retirement myself probably three, four years ago, and I've been using Stash, the app, to save for retirement, which we can get into in a little bit. But yeah, I do feel the pressure to save for sure, just because you never know what's ahead, and I'm like, am I saving enough for the future? And how much am I even going to freaking need? Am I really going to be able to live off of this? Probably not,
2: (laughs) That's where a lot of my stress comes from, too. I mean, you see headlines like this all the time talking about how the cost of you know just living after retirement keeps going up and up and up, and um, and I tried to take those with a grain of salt because, like Anderson said, nobody really knows, but it is terrifying to think about you know, potentially not being able to make any money after you reach a certain age, and then having to figure out how to, you know, like live, basically, we've heard our whole lives that there's going to be no social security left for us. Yeah, I know. You know, that's the other thing, too, like, we're, we're paying into this system that really isn't going to help us as much as it's helped prior generations.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up prior generations, because I think at least for me, a lot of the stress and pressure comes from sort of reading about what retirement looks like and saving for retirement has looked like for our parents' generation, and then also just seeing the data around it. So, I mean, according to Boston College uh, and their Center for Retirement Research, half of U.S. households, that's all U.S. households, will not have enough income to maintain their current standard of living in retirement, even if they work to age 65. Wow. And then- there's the fact that, you know, the baby boomers, um, who tend to be the parents of millennials as a generation have not done very well saving for retirement. It's interesting looking at our generations comparatively because right now, 15% of, uh, 23 to 38 year olds. Um, reported their primary reason for saving was retirement. And that's compared to just 9% of the same age bracket of baby boomers in 1989. So I think that a lot of us are looking at our parents' generation and seeing the struggles they're having saving for retirement, and it's making us nervous because we're, you know, in our early 30s, a lot of us, and we've already lived through a few major (laughs) economic events in our lifetimes. And you can't help but wonder what's next, right?
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean, speaking of economic events, like over the past year, especially when COVID first started, the markets tanked. My retirement portfolio tanked. So that's another reason we don't, like when I was talking a few minutes ago about we don't know what the future holds, I was kind of talking more from like a health perspective and a job perspective. (laughs) But what about my savings? Like, could those just disappear? And I saw last year, the gains disappeared. That's something that stresses me out too.
1: They did come back though, right? They did. Yes. Yes, they did. Mine was the same situation. But it is scary to see that happen for sure. Well, I thought that we would, um, chat a little bit about side hustling in retirement. Andrew, you alluded to this idea. Um, and we've spoken about it on the show before about how most millennials think that they're going to be side hustling in retirement, you know, having a side job or a side passion that they're working on. And I'm wondering how we feel about this. How comfortable are we with the idea that we might have to have some kind of secondary income source even if it is a part-time gig.
2: I mean, li- listen, I think this kind of goes back to the first question you asked us. I just always have assumed that I'm going to have to keep She's working. Been ready. I no, and I, I really just think it's because my mom, it kind of goes back to this conversation that she had with my brother and I When we were very young because we grew up in a very affluent community and as soon as she thought that we were old enough to kind of start seeing the disparities in in like wealth compared to like what we had versus like what some of our friends had, whose families were better off. She was basically like, well, it's time to sit the kids down and let them know that, you know, as they get older, they're going to start seeing the wealth disparity a bit more. And she just kept drilling into us that like, there's no trust fund waiting for us. Like all we ever are going to have in the world is like what we make in the world. And so I don't know if that just like, spread this like pessimistic outlook um into my head but I I just like have always worked thinking that like there's not going to be like there's no generational wealth in my family you know like there's no money that's going to be left behind for me so I just need to like try my best to make sure that I set myself up as best
1: I can yeah Yeah. and that's a really good point to zoom out even a little bit more and look at not even thinking about trust funds or generational wealth, but just thinking about who has access to employer sponsored retirement plans, things like your 401k, where you set it up with your employer and they automatically deduct a percentage of your paycheck. And in a lot of cases, they'll match whatever you're contributing up to a certain amount and just throw it in an account for you. Um, 68% of white families have access to these kinds of retirement plans compared to 56% of black families and 44% of Hispanic families. So the disparity exists in a whole lot of ways, um, like the ones that you just mentioned, Pam.
0: For the reasons that we were just discussing before, being out and about, keeping your brain busy, et cetera, I'm comfortable with the idea of working into retirement. And also, it's kind of exciting to think about what the future might hold in terms of ways we could be making money in the future. Like 15, 20 years ago, we never would have dreamed about Uber driving, making money from podcasting, from being a YouTuber. I I can't wait to see what the future holds in that regard.
1: Can't wait for us to be podcasting in retirement.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe not podcasting in retirement. I just mean whatever uh, technology holds in the future.
1: What like um, quirky terminology do you think millennials will come up with for retirement or rather Gen Z will come up with it and we'll like co-opt it because that seems to be a thing that we do
0: a term for what like still working into retirement
1: or just retirement in general that'll be the title of our show hashtag
0: (laughs) still working (laughs) where'd my pension go where's my social security
1: (laughs) hashtag social what
0: (laughs) social lies.
1: Oh man. Well, we also posed a question about side hustles to our Discord or uh, listeners who are following us in the Discord today are supporters over at patreon.com/millennial and we've asked them do you think you'll have a side hustle during retirement. Justin says, "Sure, but I really enjoy my job, which is programming, and I can see myself consulting until I'm no longer able to." Makes sense. Uh, Moriah says, assuming our generation will be able to retire at all, sure. (laughs) That's part of that doubt that all of us feel about social security and and you know what is to come and how our retirement funds are going to do between now and then. Uh, Crystal says, if our generation is ever able to retire on that same theme, to be honest, I've just accepted that it's never going to happen. And then uh, Jennifer says, I'm an actor, so that will probably be my side hustle once slash if I retire. So a lot of the same concerns and, you know, doubts or maybe just nebulous feelings about whether or not retirement is going to look the same for our generation as it has in generations past.
0: Yeah. Dare I say, let's try to be optimistic about what the future might hold. (laughs) You know, it's it's a good thing to be out and about and doing things. And uh, if we are retired, we might get really, really bored. I'm sure we can all point to some people who are now retired and they're just they have nothing really going on. Maybe they like it that way, but also it might be good for them mentally or physically if they are doing a little more, if they're still able. But, you know, as somebody who has worked from home for the past 10, 15 years, I'm already fucking eager to get out and about more (laughs) often and, you know, like see people. I've said before, I loved being an Uber driver because no two days were the same. And it was nice interacting with people face to face or face through my rear view mirror to their face. It was great. (laughs) I'm ready to do it again. (laughs) So if I retire and become an Uber driver, I'd, I'd be happy with that. Although by then the cars will be driving themselves. Damn it.
1: Oh, no, then the Tesla cars are just going to be getting paid to Uber.
0: That's what Elon Musk wants to do. He says you're going to be able to send your car off to go and and, uh, be an Uber for people. I don't believe it's going to happen anytime soon, but... And why would you want to send your car without you being in the car? Personally, yeah. I, it
1: seems safe. I don't want to send my car to pick up some drunk person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But someone will take a shit on your seat and you'll have that to deal with. Right. Oh,
0: there you go. If they're yep. willing to
1: take a shit on a public bathroom floor, they will definitely shit in your car. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> mm hmm. Well, there's definitely some optimism or there must be because there are plenty of people who are trying to save for retirement. Um, I pulled some numbers of savings among non-retirees in 2020 from the Federal Reserve. Um, so uh, 54% of respondents are contributing to a defined contribution pension like a 401k. 48% are just putting it in general savings like you're bank savings account, 33% are putting it into an IRA, 9% are putting it into business or real estate, Uh, and 26% of respondents said that they're not saving for retirement. So that is a big chunk, but the vast majority of these numbers are reporting that people are at least trying to save something for their golden years. And based on that, I was wondering if we could speak about how we are all preparing for retirement um, no matter how much or how little.
0: Yeah, I mentioned a few minutes ago, a few years ago, I started using the stash app to automatically deposit money into an IRA account. And every week I do a little amount, it's just it just automatically happens. I don't have to think about it. I've also on a monthly basis been uh, depositing money into certain ETFs, which are groups of stocks, and my idea with the ETFs is to hold on to that money for the long term. So these ETFs are like tech companies and other types of um, areas that I'm passionate about and I'm bullish on in terms of uh, their future success. So my hope is that, you know, one day I look back and I'm like, damn, that was a great idea getting into these. Just like some people right now are probably very glad they invested in Apple back 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, people who invest in certain companies back then are very, very well off right now. That's my hope. I'm putting my money into an IRA account as well as stocks that I'm holding for the long term.
1: Andrew, can you tell us a little bit about what an IRA is? I feel like IRAs don't get as much fanfare as 401ks. Maybe people aren't as familiar with them. Well, so it's a personal
0: retirement account. Yeah. But as somebody who has worked for themselves, I don't have a 401k with my employer. So I have to set up my own IRA. And what happens is you make contributions and uh, you can actually deduct this money on your tax returns and any earnings can potentially grow tax deferred until you withdraw them in retirement. I'm reading that definition from somewhere else (laughs) because I don't want to
1: get it wrong. You're good. Um, and we'll also have links to this and, and some of the other terminology. We've pulled some from the IRS that we can link in the show notes for anyone who wants to look into it. I'm glad you talked about that because I just feel like the idea of opening an individual retirement account doesn't get as much attention. Yeah. But maybe it's increasing in popularity because so many people are becoming, you know, independent or just working from the, for themselves.
0: Well, thanks to the app world, it's easier than ever to do so. Like if somebody told me you should open up an IRA, I would have just automatically assumed, oh, shit, so I'm going to have to go to a bank. I'm going to have to sit there for an hour, do a ton of paperwork. But it's just so easy to do through apps like Stash. And there's other apps that do it. I just happened to find out about Stash first. And it's comforting to know that this money is being put away. And uh, like I said before, I've already, you know, I've had a nice return. I've had a 30% return. Wow. In the past few years. Yeah.
1: That's great. Thanks. Thanks,
0: Trump and Biden. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> Pam, what about you? I also
2: have an IRA because like Andrew, I'm self-employed and then a personal savings account. Um, I, I've i just ever since I've had a savings account and ever since I opened this IRA, um, I've always just set up automatic uh, transfers over. Um, and I don't do it weekly like Andrew. I just do it every paycheck. Um, and it's just a really easy way to just set it and forget it, you know? Yeah. Um. So I've already allotted um a certain amount based on my budget. And I just, it's kind of just like paying a bill, except I'm paying it towards, you know, something that's going to help me in the long run. Yeah.
1: And uh, what I, I'm doing something similar, mine's just through an employer. Um, I have a 401k through my employer. And um, I also do personal savings. So I do both of those things. And I... We'll say on the 401k front, um, just as a recommendation, if your employer offers 401k matching, not contributing anything might mean that you're leaving free money on the table. Um, Mm. So if your employer matches dollar for dollar up to 6% uh, of your contributions... Even contributing the smallest amount will allow you to benefit from your employer matching that contribution, aka free money. So if you're fortunate enough to have um, one of these employer-sponsored 401ks with um, matching, please take advantage of it. You definitely don't want to leave free money on the table. Um, But on that note of just general advice, I'm wondering what Advice would we give any millennials who haven't started saving for retirement based on personal experience and obviously is not financial advice. And if you're going to be making any moves at all, you really should be speaking to a financial advisor. But, you know, we still wanted to share what we found to be helpful.
0: Yeah. Give you some ideas, inspire you. So like I said, I do make the weekly contributions to the retirement portfolio. And I think that's a great idea because you set it and forget it or do a monthly. And another thing is you can set it to whatever you want. It could be $5. It could be $50. You pick what it is. They're not forcing you to put a certain amount in there each week or a month like I also said just holding on to these ETFs these stocks for the long term and hoping at least a couple of them explode over the decades ahead but I will say that I used to be very stressed about retirement and saving for retirement and then once I set up this plan in the stash app I feel a lot better because I do have a plan and I'm seeing returns it feels good
1: um something that I do just for my personal savings and this is it's just like a habit I got into um, several years ago, and I just kind of stuck with it. Whenever I manage to pay off a debt, like a credit card, a, a loan, or a ca- or my car loan, I start putting the money that I was spending on those monthly payments into savings because I was already living within the means of spending that money on bills. Um, Smart. So instead of increasing my standard of living, like letting that inflate to match my now freed up money, I just treat that money like it's going towards a bill and just throw it in savings. um, Unless of course, there are extenuating circumstances, you know, life happens. And sometimes you need to be able to lean on that nest egg. But just an idea, something I've found success with. Something
2: similar, but a little bit different that I do is um, I usually keep a certain amount of Cash. I treat it kind of like my allowance for any kind of frivolous spending that I want to do. Um, so whether that's like going to a coffee shop or grabbing lunch or like buying a cute dress, whatever it is, um, I'll just like pull out some some cash and I'll replenish it only weekly. So whatever my week allow- allowance is, like that's just what I'll allot for every week. But if I don't use it, I'll just roll it over and then I'll put that allowance into savings, and just treat it like I had used it anyway, because I was already anticipating potentially spending it. Um, I wasn't, I didn't used to be like a cash person. And the reason that I started doing this is because I just feel like it's really easy to mindlessly swipe your card, whenever you're out. Um, And I know a lot of people like don't realize how much they spend on say coffee, for example. But if you pull out cash, and you say, well, I'm only going to spend this much cash this week, then it's just a really easy way to keep track of just how much you're spending on You know, say like going out for Starbucks versus making coffee at home or like eating out at lunch instead of making your lunch and taking it into the office. So,
0: yeah, the one issue there is you do miss out on credit card points, which can add up. But yeah, I totally know what you mean. Like I at least a couple times a year, I load up my credit card bill and I'm like, how did it get this high? I know. And then I I look at the statement. I'm going line by line. Okay, five dollars, seven dollars, twenty dollars, hundred dollars. I'm like, how does this add up to the large bill that is now sitting here? Does not compute. Interest. It's
1: the interest, no, man. It's
0: it's not the interest though, because I'm I'm paying off each month. I need to spend less. I need to do less of the mindless <laughs> <No>. swiping.
2: <laughs> and that's a good point. But yeah, like if you're having trouble, like even if you just try this for a little bit, I found that like. Um, that now I'm just more mindful, like, even if I don't have cash on me or something for right. whatever reason, yeah. um, just because I've been doing that for so long. So I try gives to see the option, but
0: I try to be mindful to have no spending days.
2: Oh, yeah. Smart. Yeah.
0: And then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, oh, look at me. See, it's, like, it's should a rush today. for
2: me if I know I didn't have to take out money that week Yeah, you know, <laughs> to keep like my cash reservoir. Yeah.
1: Up to where I want it. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that we could have an entire episode or probably an entire series of episodes about retirement and preparing for retirement finances and saving in general. I'm sure that we'll revisit this topic at some point. But before we move on, just wanted to leave y'all with some resources. There's a really great Nerd Wallet article that we're going to be sharing in the show notes, um, talking about where you can go to start seeking free financial advice if you're not in a position to be able to hire a financial advisor. Um, so first place you can look is your bank or credit union. Oftentimes, they will offer these services. Um, Your workplace and 401k provider, um, as well as the Foundation for Financial Planning, which offers pro bono financial planning services for people who are financially vulnerable, including wounded veterans, domestic violence survivors and cancer patients. All right. So write in and let us know what your retirement plans are what you're doing to save. We want to hear
0: from you. Give us some tips. We we, We need your help. We could use some tips.
1: (laughs) All right. We'll be back to the show in a minute. But first, a quick word from our second sponsor of the week, Third Love. The holidays can be hectic and stressful if you're out shopping, putting up decorations, or traveling. And who wants to be uncomfortable during all of that? With Third Love, comfort is always a given. If you're wanting to give the gift of comfort this holiday season, why not an ultra soft loungewear set for your bestie or intimate sets for that special someone? Or even better yet, what about treating yourself to some new ultra comfy essentials? It's been a long year and you deserve it. I've been wearing Third Love's Flex Seamless Sports Bras lately, and I freaking love these things. They're so soft, supportive, and stretchy, and perfect for continuing to work from home. Third Love obsesses over each stitch, so you never have to think about how something feels, looks, or wears, and they've got your back while you're out and about, or just hanging out at home, with the softest sleepwear, luxe washable silk, and bras that you won't want to take off when you get home. Feeling is believing. Upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash millennial. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash millennial.
0: All right. So for the rest of the show, we're not going to stress about money and retirement. (laughs) We're going to have a little bit of fun. I wanted to talk about Neopets and other games and toys that we were obsessed with when we were growing up. And the reason for this is because the New York Times actually recently checked in on Neopet players. The site is actually still live, and a lot of people are still really passionate about it. For anybody who doesn't know, Neopets had launched in 1999, and at its peak, it had tens of millions of kids playing. The site would let you design and care for a virtual pet on your computer, You could play games, you could feed your pet, and you'd have to check in regularly to continue taking care of it. And you could also really customize the pet to make it yours. And of course, these pets were so adorable. And that's why so many, that's why Neopets took off. Did either of you play Neopets back in the day? I I did. Really?
1: Yeah, I did. I uh, I remember playing it on my Blueberry iMac back in the day.
0: <laughs> Do you remember the name of your pet? No. Oh, no. that poor pet is probably dead
1: right oh, now. Oh, for sure, super dead.
2: <laughs> like Laura, I also played, but I also uh, don't remember like any specifics. So I was clearly not super into it. Um, but I remember this being a huge thing. Yeah, when I was in school.
0: Well, unlike uh, you two, there's a group of people who did not abandon their pets. Most of the users on Neopets right now are 20 to 40 years old. Many of these people grew up Whoa. with Neopets. Yeah, it's not kids that playing. It's the adults oh, who started man. playing 20 years ago. And Neopets actually uh, received a new wave of interest during the pandemic. The site actually experienced a 30 30- spike in usership starting in March 2020. The other reason a lot of older users are currently using Neopets is because it kind of serves as a time capsule for them. You log in and you see your old pet. Like if you two remembered your username or email and and password, you actually might be
1: able to get in still.
2: You're giving me too much credit. I can't even remember this pet's name. I cannot remember
1: (laughs) what I signed up with. I'm actively trying to recover my username. (laughs) i'll let you know how it goes
0: okay all right but actually kind of funny twist we didn't really talk about this we could have because it was a big deal earlier this year adobe discontinued flash and the internet basically ran on flash back in the 90s and early 2000s like every site had some flash elements and flash was this technology that let you um see things as cool as neopets on internet explorer so adobe discontinued flash and that forced neopets to actually redesign the site and the redesign actually pissed off a lot of the users because they hadn't changed the design in like 10 plus years so um some neopets fans aren't happy about that but anyway i didn't get into neopets and i don't know why i didn't i did have the the little physical gigapet toy i think the main one was tamagotchi But I didn't have a Tamagotchi. And I don't know why I didn't get the name brand, because I'm a bit of a a brand whore. I think I got the Gigapet. Did you two have the actual like physical pet?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I had a Gigapet. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Tamagotchi came first, but it it, like Gigapet gave you more options. And so I was instantly drawn to Gigapet when that came out because then you could like you didn't have to have like this default blob. You could have a dog, for example, or a cat.
0: Yeah. I forgot the tamagotchis were like not typical pets. It was like a
2: bird, wasn't it?
0: I I don't know.
2: I yeah. think I and they were so hard to get. Oh um, god, yeah. When
1: they first came out out here, I had a friend who had a little mermaid one. It was like in the, it was in the shape of like a seashell, mm-hmm. and Ariel was the pet, which is weird. Thinking back on that, like, ugh, yeah, how weird. The nineties were weird. I had a Pikachu one too. Yes, I don't know if you. Yeah, and it it like also,
2: it also served almost like as a what is it like a a uh like a a walker thing because you had to like exercise the oh like Pikachu. a step tracker. Yeah, step tracker. <laughs> yeah, so like if you took it with you and you were walking a lot, you were exercising the um the little Pikachu. Oh there. my gosh! Yeah, that's
0: funny. Yeah, I think I just had a single one, and it was a Gigapet, and I assume I made it a dog. Um, but then, yeah, you were right, Laura. There are Tamagotchi spinoffs, because obviously they were so popular, some of the brands wanted to get in. I'm looking, there was also a Star Wars one, like Pam mentioned, uh, a Pikachu one. So there were tons of options. And uh, Pam, I'm seeing the blob that you're talking about now. It doesn't really look like a particular animal. It's just like okay. a thingy. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. By the way, you can see still- Yeah, it's like, what was it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you can still buy these brand new on, on Amazon and Target. It looks like 20 bucks for your own. Oh,
2: 20 bucks? I thought it would be less.
0: <laughs> well, they're very high tech now. Just kidding. They're, they look exactly the same. The markup on these must be insane. It must cost like 25 cents to make. And I still, I still have very clear memories of sneakily playing my gigapet under my desk in school. And I think yes. the school banned them because obviously every kid yeah. had one. Our and they were a dude, destruction.
1: <laughs> And we would get in and trouble because we would sneak them into school. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, like, I, I can't remember if, like, you couldn't turn off the sound or, like, if you forgot and it would, like, beep. <laughs> That's when you would get sold Be out me. by your Be own me. digital toy. <laughs> Tamagotchi. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So I thought we could also talk about some other childhood obsessions we had as a kid. I was fascinated by Furby. Did you two have a Furby?
1: No, I never wanted one, which is what, weird because they're creepy looking. Yeah, probably.
2: I always wanted one, and I never got one. But it was oh, like one no. of those things that was on my my Christmas list.
0: Oh, here's a commercial from uh, the Furby days.
2: <gasps> What's that?
0: Me it's my Furby. Furby loves lavender. <laughs> love me, Furby, the first gigapet oh. you pet. To say her name, me? No, no. play games, bad, oh. and love you, Bab. Oh, oh. <laughs> your Furby sneezed Achoo. and gave mine a cold. Furby <laughs> love and this cracks me up. Oh, it's look! That's so cute, though. My Furby has a cold. Oh my gosh, it gave your Furby a cold. <laughs>
1: like, why is that a feature? Can you imagine in the times of COVID? I was going to say would never make make translate
2: well to 2021, <laughs> but Furby's
0: did really feel high tech because they could talk to each other. It was like, whoa, how does it do that? You could feed it, it you could teach it a name. I think it had maybe some like motion detection features. It was really cool to me. That was like Apple before Apple. It was just so high tech. I couldn't believe that this thing worked the way it did. And yeah, that was one of those toys like. It was really hard to get at KB Toys at the mall. Could not. Um, also, of course, I think we all were really into this—the Pokemon trading card game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody at school was obsessed. I-, I think there was a time actually where my um, my school outlawed outlawed the Pokemon cards too, and that was a dark day because it was like, wow, they're cards. Like, fuck off, fuck off. And um, also, Crazy Bones.
2: Yeah, that one I don't know.
0: Okay. They were these little plastic rocks and they all had different shapes and colors. And there was a game involved where you flick them at each other. And I think there was like five or six different official Crazy Bones games. But for me, just like with Pokemon, it wasn't about playing. It was all about collecting. And there were so many Crazy Bones to collect and obviously Pokemon cards. And I still have a lot of my old Crazy Bones, actually. Maybe in this house, I think. My parents offloaded them. Yeah, so those were three that I could think of. How about you two? What were your childhood obsessions?
1: Uh, does anyone remember pogs?
0: Hell yeah. Yeah.
1: We still have pogs in the house somewhere. <laughs> I, uh, I learned that these are also known as milk caps.
0: Yes. Okay. I've heard that.
1: I've never heard of that determination. But much like, uh, Pokemon cards for a lot of us as kids, po- you never actually played pogs, or at least I didn't. You just collected them. Um, yeah. Another one, and this is the one that got banned in my school, probably specifically because of me and my friends, Beanie Babies. Um, Oh, gosh. My friends and I would bring so many Beanie Babies to school, and they were just a distraction. So uh, they banned them, and then we kept bringing them. And as a result, I had my Beanie Baby collection confiscated for a while. Uh, and I had to earn them back. <laughs> through oh, no. Oh, my gosh. That would not fly today. Some people no. go in there and be like, give my daughter their oh. property back. No, no, no. My parents confiscated them. Oh, to be oh they
2: did. Oh, I thought it
1: was like a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you had to earn them back. I was like, wow. No. And and I totally had it coming. Uh, also, Etch-A-Sketches. Remember these?
0: Yeah. Were you into Etch-A-Sketches? Like, I thought they were cool, but I never had the patience.
1: I was never really into them, but they were kind of a, a good time waster if you were sitting around and had nothing to do, long car okay. ride or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then I wasn't super duper into this, but the commercial just gave me real flashback vibes, uh, crossfire. <laughs> Can you play this, I remember Andrew?
2: Crossfire. I specifically remember the commercial, yeah. too, because it had, like, that 80s metal yeah. rock.
0: <laughs> yep. Theme song. And here it is. It's sometime in the future. The ultimate challenge.
2: Crossfire. Crossfire. you get caught up in the Crossfire. Crossfire.
0: you get caught up in the Crossfire. Crossfire, crossfire. Crossfire. Crossfire.
2: I hope whoever wrote that made a lot of money. Me too. Crossfire. Hopefully that person can retire. I was really into hit clips. Do you? Do you both remember these? Yeah. Yes.
0: I got the commercial. Let's play it okay. first, and then you can explain more.
1: Hit it, coming at you right between the ears. is hit clips music to get your groove in. Clips is a slick micro audio system. This type package is small. So pumps out monster sound.
2: Breaks we'll break sound <laughs> like this, we clip, 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 and sample songs so only the grooves stick. Plus with the micro boombox, load the mother load. You could see way you love me. Some of these songs available
0: now. More this fall. You can collect them all. HitClip. Clips! So explain this, Pam, because this is <laughs> this hilarious in hindsight.
2: This is like the hindsight. MP3 player before the MP3 player, but you only got like basically the equivalent of an Apple iTunes snippet of a song. At least it was always, you know, like the course. It was only like, I think 90 seconds or 30 seconds.
0: I think at best it was 30.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like the boom box had more, but I I just had like Maybe. the original one that kind of looks like a little Walkman and it came with like a yeah. little, um, like a little, um, It was just, like, one headphone. And so you could buy these little mini – it looked like a cassette tape, but it was a little – kind of like a little memory stick situation. You would, like, put them in to this player – And then you would hit a button and then you would get 30 seconds of the song. And I don't even know why. I mean, I guess I do know why I was always into music. Um, I just thought that these were like the best thing. And I have so many of them still somewhere in storage. (laughs) And maybe next time I'm in the storage unit, I will find my collection and (laughs) show
0: you all Oh, I would love that. Yeah, it was was
2: great. Most most NSYNC and mostly Britney Spears because, you know... Mm -hmm um What what were you doing with your life if you were not collecting Britney and NSYNC hit clips? <laughs>
0: so hell yeah! But the most insane part was that you're walking around with this hit clip device, and you're only listening to thirty, 30 to sixty seconds, seconds yes. of a song again and again, and it's just one song. Imagine on that little me thing. in the
2: car, like bringing that as <laughs>
0: my source of music, listening to that on loop again and mm-hmm. again. Oh my gosh. And, and yet we thought it was the coolest thing ever. Wow. I get to bring music around with me.
2: I thought that was so cutting edge, like way and way more. Like, I think the thing that really blew my mind at the time was how compact it was, because even though it was bulky, like you're lugging around all of these individual, like literally lugging out around these little individual clips of songs, way more compact still than like, Bringing a um a, a CD Walkman or like a, a
1: cassette Walkman yeah. and and then Definitely. all of the
2: aforementioned like cassettes or CDs, yeah.
1: So And they would skip if you were doing that anyway. Yeah, Clips so. did not skip, <laughs> right? It was revolutionary.
2: Um, American Girl dolls was also a big one for me, but um, I didn't have like all of the bells and whistles because they were very expensive. So I only had like the one. But it was more just, like, having the American Girl doll and then going to, like, play with friends who also had different American Girl dolls. But obviously, like, there's so much to unpack here with, like, the book series. And then, like, later on, they made movies. And, like, even just getting the catalog, even though I knew that, like, I was never going to get any of the accessories, was, like, such a big deal. So. Have you seen
1: present day American girl dolls?
2: Yes. They're the, so
1: progressive. One of them has yeah. blue hair. I'm like, "Oh my god." You know god. the
2: newest one, the newest like legacy doll was born in like 88 or 87 or Hell something. Hell,
1: yeah. They know. They, they do. They know who they're marketing to. Mm-hmm.
2: And then Lisa Frank, but specifically oh, yeah. the um those velvet art posters. I was like, honestly like my favorite toys as a kid were just like any of like the arts and craft toys. That's what my grandma always used to buy me to just like, she just knew it would be like a time sack. And so I would just like sit there and like go through coloring books and things like that. But like anytime we went to Joanne fabrics or anything like that, she would buy me these like velvet posters and I would just like sit there and like color them in. Um, But Lisa Frank was huge and um, everything from like the folders to the notebooks to the erasers was just like
1: big.
0: Yeah, I would love to see another, I mean now all the childhood like crazes and obsessions are digital. Like, I want to see like another Pogs or Pokemon or like Yo Yo. Now it's Roblox and Minecraft and all those. It's interesting too how all these toys we were just talking about would get banned from school at one point or another. And they're very harmless and they're not as distracting and potentially dangerous as phones are these days. And yet those are okay in schools. And I know obviously people aren't, kids aren't allowed to use them during class, but. Those are way more problematic, but ooh, Pokemon cards, don't bring that to school, kid. All right, we are going to talk about some changes and additions to Disney Plus in a moment. But first, this week's episode is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Stance. They are a clothing company who believe that a perfect fit is more than simply fitting in. I recently received some Stance clothing and was blown away by how colorful and comfortable it all was. The apparel is very well made, super soft, and entirely unique. It's a lot of fun to wear, and I'm looking forward to purchasing some more soon. Here's what really stands out about them. Stance gives you a sense of confidence simply by feeling good. Founded in 2009, Stance apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, t-shirts, and more. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. They put a lot of care into the design and quality of their clothing to create things that feel different and make you feel more confident. Stance's clothing is built to last, too. You won't be ending up with holes in your socks or shirts that are losing their shape or falling apart. This is all really good stuff. They have all kinds of designs themed around movies, sports, and beloved names, including Harry Potter, actually. I'm loving Stance's socks most right now. They have different types depending on your needs, and they put serious effort into designing these. Because while they do have novelty prints, they don't sacrifice quality at all. So what you're getting is really high quality stuff, no matter what you buy. The Stance philosophy is that a perfect fit is more important than simply fitting in. That those who feel good, do good. So go see for yourself. Just head on over to stance.com and pick out whatever styles you like. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. All right, so Pam, let's talk about what Disney Plus has been up to. And they got some bad news today, actually.
2: Yeah, they kind of did. Um, but first up, they are set to celebrate two years of being live as a streaming platform this coming Friday, November 12th. Uh, so they've dubbed this day Disney Plus Day. And there is quite a bit that is coming along with this, including a bunch of new titles that they're going to be releasing on the platform, which is good news if you're a subscriber. And they are also promising to release a bunch of like teasers and sneak peeks and stuff like that as well. So if you're a fan of any of the Disney properties, then you'll want to keep an eye out for those things if you like to keep up with the news that's surrounding, you know, things like Star Wars, Marvel Pixar things like that um so with that in mind we thought it would be fun to just kind of like preview what's coming up and then talk about this bad news as Andrew was saying because even though you know Disney plus is touting this as a way to say thank you to its subscribers obviously it's also a marketing ploy to get more people to sign up so um there's that as well um so they actually started promoting this Uh, I believe like last month or very early on this month, and they released a preliminary list of titles set to debut this coming Friday. And then they've also been adding to this list over the course of the past uh, couple of weeks. Have you all had a chance to take a look at what's going to be premiering as part of Disney Plus Day?
1: Yeah. Are you like a little bit unenthused?
0: Yeah, me too. Laura sounds more enthused.
1: <laughs> well, but... I-, I actually thought, Andrew, you were going to be excited about Enchanted. Weren't you super into that?
0: <laughs> I was going to say, that's the one thing here that's interesting. Everything else is not. And they have a sequel in the works, by the way. And I think that's going to be a Disney Plus exclusive.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: How does he know? <laughs> I'm <Is laughs> not so going further than that.
1: The one thing that really did jump out at me and that I was kind of excited to talk about because it's funny... Um, They're going to be premiering Dope Sick in international markets. Um, Here in the U.S., Dope Sick is on Hulu. It's about the opioid epidemic.
0: (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Thanks, Disney. They're putting it on Disney
1: Plus for international markets. They're like, not in the U.S. (laughs) People in the States are too traumatized.
2: We're a little bit cheated out because international markets get that star hub. On mm-hmm. Disney Plus, and that's where all like the movies that are over PG 13 go, or like PG 13 and up. And that's probably where Dope Sick lives. So,
0: okay, I'm reading more info now. This is really wild. This whole Disney Plus day. Disney Plus subscribers can enter the Walt Disney theme parks 30 minutes early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, for real, what do you do? Show wow. your app at I- the gate
2: i don't know how they're gonna monitor that but yeah i thought that uh, that that was an interesting choice um they also have a deal going on with amc which i think is kind of cool if you want to take a gamble did you read about this yeah as well? this is fun yeah so if you if you're near a participating amc you can buy a five dollar movie ticket to a surprise screening and basically it could be anything from like a marvel movie to a to a star wars movie or a disney movie And I guess they're also going to have some discounts on concessions, but it's, it's, you know, might be a fun little movie date if you're okay with seeing whatever they pop up on the screen and $5 for a movie ticket is pretty good deal.
0: That is that is fun. I like that this extends beyond Disney Plus. Yes. When I first heard about this, I just assumed it was only going to be announcements related to Disney Plus, the app.
2: Yeah, I think that the biggest, like going back to the titles that are going to be released on Friday, um, the biggest thing here is uh, Shang Chi, which will finally be able to be streamed on Disney Plus for everybody. So you're not going to have to pay an extra fee to see that. Um and so if you haven't seen it yet and you've been holding out Friday is your day or if you wanted to rewatch it again you already went to see in the theaters just didn't want to go back you'll be able to do that. Um and then Enchanted like Laura said uh, I'm a big music person so I'm obviously uh, interested in this documentary feature on the Billie Eilish concert special but that's like a very niche <laughs>
0: interest. I hate this trend that Disney Plus has going on where they're releasing these making of documentaries for all. Seemingly, all the Disney Plus originals, they have a making of series for The Mandalorian, all the Marvel shows, a making of a Billie Eilish concert. That's too far. I I don't I don't get that at all.
2: (laughs) I'll allow it because it was like a, a multimedia concert. So there was a lot of like illustration involved. And I would be curious to know how like they collaborated with collaborated with the person that made the visuals.
0: It all seems like fluff to me, but okay.
2: But yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing, though. Would I pay for this on its own? No. But since I have right. a subscription already, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll put that on my queue and I'll watch it at some point.
0: It, it just seems like they're regurgitating content because they can't come up with enough enough original stuff. That's my read on all the making of documentaries. Sorry to hate on this since you're excited about it, but I just. No, no,
2: no. I mean, like, but I know that we have talked about like the, the Marvel making ofs before, too. I think that, you know, what it really comes down to for me is that it's all kind of like DVD extras that we're not getting on DVDs anymore because nobody's okay. buying
1: DVDs. Yeah. All right. So, well, that's fair. I don't know.
2: Like, Laura, do you and Mark get excited about these making of Marvel features and stuff? I know he's really into it. So,
1: yeah, I mean, we're we're not excited to the point where we watch them on release day or anything like that. But if there is a new Marvel feature coming out, we will sit down and watch um, some of those or the Marvel Legends series. That's another thing that we like to revisit. Uh, Particularly before the Disney Plus shows come out. And I know there's a, they're adding a version for Hawkeye in anticipation of the Hawkeye show coming out this Christmas. So we'll probably watch that, but we're not like super obsessed with them
2: right you're not staying up till midnight to watch when no. it drops. yeah that's how i feel too something that might be of interest uh as part of disney plus day especially for people that have not signed up for the streaming service yet is that they actually have a deal going on right now where new and eligible disney plus subscribers can get one month subscription for $1.99 so it is a nice way to try it out and check out a series that you maybe haven't seen because you didn't want to shell out the $7.99, which is the regular price per month. Uh, so after the first month, the subscription returns to the regular $7.99 a month price, but you know, you can always cancel before then if it's not your thing. Um, something that is worth noting as part of this this deal, because this is kind of like one of the bigger uh, points that was making headlines as as part of this, all this stuff that they're releasing uh, for this week is that the price cut deal started this past Monday and it was just a few days before Disney Plus was set to reveal its fourth quarter figures. So they released those numbers today. Um, So to give this a little bit of context, as of July 3rd, which was the third quarter, Disney Plus had 116 million subscribers worldwide. And then today they reported an uptick of 2 million subscribers for a grand total of 118 million subscribers. Uh, So they didn't really garner too much of a growth over the course of the past few months, um, and it was
0: less than they forecasted. Yes, that, yeah, that's that a was big the thing big too. issue here. Yeah.
2: Do you remember how much they had forecasted it?
0: I don't, but I did read today it missed estimates. Right. So that could be a sign that they're Yikes. starting to plateau. You know, they do one hundred sixteen million in what two years is really impressive, and they are on track, I think, to surpass Netflix in a couple more years. But now I think that's being called into question since they're already missing some estimates.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. And that kind of really segues nicely into uh, my next question for the three of us. With all of these subscription services, I think that we're all kind of getting a little more picky and choosy in terms of what we decide to sign up for. Uh, With Disney+, Plus, I believe all three of us signed up for the three-year deal that was offered through D23 when the streamer was first launched, which was a steal, especially since they've already raised the price. Uh, We're two years into that now, so are we ultimately glad that we got in when we did? Yeah.
0: Yes, because that was a very good deal. And there have been a lot of great shows. But I think in the future, I'm probably going to try to do like a family plan with more people. Mm, Right now, Pat mm -hmm. and I split it, maybe this panel can split our disney plus um hey there
1: we we go we also
0: got in on a verizon deal where we got a year so we're actually good for four years because it it was we were able to add it on to that three years yeah so we're good for a long time beyond that yes of course i will never leave now that enchanted is on disney plus how could (laughs) i betray that's how they hooked you in yeah (laughs)
1: See, i'm ready to cancel I'm going to uh, hook up to a VPN and place myself in another country just so I can watch Dope Sick on Disney+. Plus.
0: <laughs> you don't want to watch it on Hulu. No. Nope. Like that.
1: <laughs> I want the international experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> will you stick around, Pam? Yeah, you will. I, I know you will.
1: I
2: think so, probably. I mean, you know, just for the Marvel shows alone, if you're following yeah. the MCU, I think you kind of sort of have to. But for the first, uh, you know, stretch of Disney Plus, I think I touched it the first day and then didn't touch it at all for the longest time. And so I think that their bread and butter really is the way that they've they've tied in their original programming to the MCU, which we're all invested in now.
0: They had three shows that I really liked at the beginning, the the Disney Parks documentary, the uh, show where... People who graduated from high school, returned to the high schools to put on their plays again, you know, like 20 years later. It better. I think it's called Encore. That's what it was called. Yeah,
2: I enjoyed that too. Yeah. And then
0: um, The Mandalorian. So I loved Disney Plus right out of the gate, but actually I've been watching less. I'm marveled out. It's too much Marvel for me. Um, And no other shows have really captured my attention. So uh, that said, it is nice to know that you do have access to basically every single Disney movie, tons of Fox movies, Star Wars, Marvel, etc. That's nice. That's nice to have access to.
1: Yeah. 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 Even if it weren't for, um, you know, the Marvel TV shows that are coming out, just having access to that library and not having to take up physical space in my home owning movies is awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the convenience is really nice because we own a lot of Disney DVDs and we still have so many of the Disney VHSs, but like who even has a working D V D or VHS player anymore? So Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like if you want to watch Cinderella, it's so much easier to to just hop onto Disney Plus and And, uh, you know, bring it up that way, so.
0: Yeah, and there have been some really nice surprises at Disney Plus. Hamilton, the Taylor Swift folklore Long Pond Studio Sessions. Yeah, that was nice. Red Taylor's version out this Friday. If there's one good bit of news from the fact that they missed subscriber estimates, maybe this means they'll hold back on another price increase for a year or two. They already raised it, a dollar or two. Mm -hmm. If they're going to be struggling to bring on new subscribers... Maybe they'll keep the price as is, which is currently seven ninety nine a month. So,
2: yeah, uh, JY in the Discord is saying just waiting for the Percy Jackson show before I get Disney Plus. That's going to be huge for them as well. So I think that yep. even if I would have, you know, given up the Disney Plus subscription, I probably would have come back for that.
0: Yeah, and who knows what else is coming? Not Harry
2: Potter, but other things will no, come. No, we'll sure have to that. stick with HBO Max for that probably. <laughs> And then just as a quick aside, you know, um, there's so many of these days now I, and I can barely keep track of them even in, you know, doing what I do with entertainment news. Like over the weekend, I didn't even realize there was a stranger things day being hosted by Netflix going on (laughs) until I logged onto Twitter. It was like, why is stranger things trending? Oh, it's because Netflix decided today was stranger things day. Um, so I was just kind of wondering if you all feel like these theme days uh, do anything to drum up uh, excitement or if you're kind of like sick of the, the gimmicks, because I am personally a little bit fatigued by these yeah. random big ordeals. I don't care.
0: Yeah, me neither. I'm sure it does draw up a lot of genuine excitement, but... I think we're all burned out on this type of behavior. I can see why Netflix and Disney do these types of things because they get to schedule these events on their own terms. They used to rely on Comic-Con more and that was very expensive and time consuming and they had to work around certain dates. Now they're just doing their own thing whenever they want when, when it fits their schedule and they get all the attention. Because at like a Comic Con, there's a million things happening. It's hard to get attention. With Stranger Things Day in frickin' early November, all of the internet's attention is gonna be on Stranger Things Day because there's nothing else happening. And I think it was over a weekend, which was probably also smart. So they do these just to get more attention than they would that they would than they would at other events. And for now it's working. But yeah, I don't I don't really care for this stuff. And okay, enchanted is coming. Great. And now I'll move on with my day. <laughs> It's time to talk about our Patreon for a moment. Laura, we have some new patrons.
1: We do. We wanted to give a shout out to our latest patrons and thank them so much for their support over at patreon.com slash millennial. They are Laura, Stephanie, Pam. I love that. Laura and Pam. Oh, did we both become patrons? I guess so. Great (laughs) names. Great names, y'all. Katie, Zoe, Corey, Melissa, Paige, Lance, Haley, Kathleen, and Christopher. Welcome to all of y'all. And we are so, so happy to have you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for your support. And you and all of our other patrons who pledge $5 or more receive access to our weekly After Dark installment. This is basically another episode of Millennial. It's usually 30, 45 minutes, and we're talking about some stuff going on in our lives. We're talking about other topics we've really wanted to get to, but just don't have time for in the main show. This installment of After Dark is going to be a little gossipy. I was disappointed by one of my family members this week, and I'll explain why. And then Pam has a, a dating story, actually. And Laura's BBC experience. What is this? Can you tease that for us?
1: Yeah, I was interviewed by BBC Radio 5 uh, last week, and it was an interesting experience. Uh, We were talking about the 20th anniversary of the Sorcerer's Stone movie, um, and I had a really good time. Uh, But, well... We'll we'll talk about it more after dark. But. Laura did
0: something that I'm really, really proud of her for. Oh, she basically you. saved an entire Hogwarts house's reputation. That's
2: so cute.
0: In front of all of the UK. I was right. so impressed.
1: Well, yeah. The entire not UK is definitely caves. listening. For sure. Laura
0: <laughs> That's what they do over there. They listen to the radio. They're not as modern as we are. I oh. think I think they're really into the radio over they there. They
1: listen to BBC. BBC.
0: I'm I'm a big fan of BBC World News. I get it on my uh, digital cable subscription. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's the news without the bullshit that you get on CNN and MSNBC. Anyway, that will all be available at patreon.com slash millennial this week. Thank you to everybody who supports us. Like we said, we really appreciate your support and it truly keeps the show running. We can't do this without you. We can't. We can't. We can't. There's too much to do. So we need your support so we can run this thing. All right. Time for some recommendations. I like to dabble in the plant-based movement. And when I go to restaurants from time to time, I've heard mentions of uh, this plant-based egg called Just Egg. Have you two heard about this?
1: I have. Yeah, I have not. Okay.
0: This is great for vegans. You can buy it in Target and food stores, I'm sure. It's plant-based liquid egg. It's very easy to cook. I bought it for my first time the other day. I really I really liked it. The texture was there. The taste was there. Super easy to cook. If I have one complaint about it, it comes in kind of a small bottle and it really only mm. made two breakfasts for me. And that was disappointing. But if you're a vegetarian or vegan and uh, you're into the plant-based stuff, it's definitely worth trying. So it's called Just Egg, all one word.
2: I might try that for baking because... Sometimes I feel bad that, you know, I don't like there's a recipe that calls for eggs. I can't figure out how to substitute it for friends that don't eat eggs and stuff. So maybe I'll try that out. I know the applesauce oh. is a popular one, but it's mm. like it doesn't quite do the trick, in my opinion, okay. for something. So I might try that.
0: Yeah, check it out. Go to their website. Very interesting domain, ju.st.
1: I want to recommend something that I learned about through cleaning TikTok. Um, if you're like me and you end up going down the rabbit hole of cleaning TikTok, there are so many really creative methods that people have for cleaning and and making it easier and more satisfying. Um, so I want to recommend the OXO Good Grip Extendable Tub and Tile Scrubber. You can get this on Amazon for $14.99. And it's a scrubber intended for you know your your bath your bathtub your shower and it can be short like a hand brush or you can extend the handle so it can be long enough to reach high up spaces, if you're on the shorter side like me, um, or if you just don't want to get down on your hands and knees and scrub that way. Um, This made cleaning my shower the other day such a breeze. I was really excited for it. So as soon as it got here, I immediately unboxed it and went and cleaned my shower and it made it a lot easier and faster. Nice. I wanted to recommend
2: checking out uh, Etsy for your holiday shopping. I've already started holiday shopping because a lot of times when you shop on Etsy, you have to allot for time for people to make the handmade goods. Um, and if you're in the market for purchasing some affordable jewelry, I would recommend checking out the shop Caitlin Minimalist, all one word, Um they just make really beautiful items. Um, they, I really was drawn to them because they have a lot of personalized engraving options, including the option to engrave uh, handwriting from a loved one or um, even like doodles. Like so if you have children and you want to memorialize like some kind of drawing that they've done for you or a parent or something like that, they'll do that as well. Uh, super down to collab on specific pieces. And um, yeah, they just did a fantastic job. And I'm so excited to get the pieces in that I worked with them on. So uh, check them out if you're looking to uh, purchase some personalized gifts for Christmas or the holidays.
0: A great gift idea and a great wreck because personalized stuff really makes all the difference.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They have some uh, made like ready to ship made products that are beautiful as well. But like I said, I just wanted a little bit more of a personal touch. So
0: yeah. Stand out. Be original. I love it. All right, well, thanks everybody for listening. If you have any feedback about today's episode, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm happy to say we did find a new social media manager. She'll be starting next week, and we'll share more details about her in the weeks ahead. Uh, She's super cool. We're really excited to work with her, and we can't wait to see what she brings to the podcast and our social media channels. There's one particular element I'm very excited to tell everybody that I'm still cracking up about, so (laughs) we'll get to that later. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew.
1: I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everyone. See ya.